Hello, everybody, and welcome to Typhoon Talks, a podcast by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Michael Grady. I am a consultant here with the firm, joined by my co-host, Chen Yang. Welcome, Chen. Hello, everyone. And joined by two returning guests, Nicole Schwartz and K.L. Fairweather, our two change management aficionados. Welcome back, team. Hi. Thanks for having us, guys. So today we're going to be taking on our change management series with our two subject matter experts and talking specifically today about stakeholder communication and the essential tips and practices for communicating with stakeholders at, at all levels of an organization. So Chen's going to start us off with a couple of questions. Um, first of all, KL, can you tell us what's stakeholder communication and how it, how does it play a role in change management? Okay, so first of all, stakeholders are people who are impacted by the work you're doing on a project. Um, stakeholder communications is about communicating to these stakeholders. So the first thing that's really important is to understand who these stakeholders are and how they're impacted. Are they impacted in a big way? Are they impacted in a small way? Um, and that helps you understand what kind of communications you have to do with them, whether it's, it's direct communications, whether you have to communicate with them all the time or whether you just have to communicate with them every so often and whether you need to actually push um, communications onto them or get them to pull. So what types of stakeholders do we usually find in a project? So um, if, if you're doing a, a big organisational change, you'll probably have people through all different levels of the company who are impacted. So you could have right from your executive who are impacted by the change. They'll probably be the people that are pushing the change. Um, but it's important that they also understand how it, how it impacts their areas. And then it will go right down to the, the people whose jobs will be changed <coughs> by, um, by the project. And what's important is you understand for each of these different groups, what's in it for me? So you divide the types by their hierarchy and the impact of the change? You could divide them by their function and then you could divide them also by their hierarchy because different people will require to be communicated to in different ways by different people. Right. And how do you know what stakeholders you need to communicate to? So a good way to map out your stakeholders um, and how they're, they're going to be communicated to or how you need to use them for communication is to map out them using the RACI matrix. So the RACI matrix um, will show you who's responsible for the change, um, who's accountable for the change, who needs to be consulted during the change, and then who needs to be informed of the change. So normally your responsible and accountable groups will have a lot more influence um, and also impact, and then your consult and inform groups will have um, less impact or, or less influence and just need to be told and, and kept along the journey as well. Um, but that can really differ based on projects and, and the level of importance that each group group um, holds for, for the change and what's being affected. Um, yeah. Does that mean um, those who are responsible and accountable should be communicated first? It doesn't necessarily that they're first, but they're probably groups that will have a large amount of impact, so they will need to be communicated to at some point, but it's dependent on the project to say whether they're first or, or second or you know as a whole group, um, or they'll probably need more communication along the way than the other, the other groups. 
that is more important than the rest two groups of people? Well, when you have um, a group of people that are high influence um, and they are accountable or they are responsible, so those people are going to need a lot more communication to make sure they're on the journey and they're, and they're um, change champions so that they can help influence other people around them. So if you have people of high influence that are not for the change and you don't give them a lot of communication or the right communication that they need, you're going to struggle to get them to change um, with whatever it is that you're trying to, to get them on board with. So, yeah, you will need to keep that group close um, to make sure that there's um, the right communication going to them for what they need. Right. And apart from RACI, um, are there any other tools to help manage effective stakeholder communication? Yeah, so the main one for communication, so at the beginning of a project, when you identify who your stakeholders are, you create a, communica a stakeholder communication plan. So this plan is one of the most essential tools in change management. Um, so the plan will include who the stakeholders are that are going to be impacted, the frequency of how much you need to communicate to them. So if it's fortnightly, if it's weekly updates, um, if it's daily stand-ups that you need to do with them, um, and then who is responsible. So um, a common misconception is change managers are responsible for all the communication, um, but that's not the case. So the communication should be coming from either their direct reports, as people are going to listen to their direct reports and their bosses a lot more than a change manager coming in and trying to tell them what to do. So it's really important that the right people are identified for who to communicate the message down to, to their groups um, and the different stakeholder um, groups that have been identified. Okay, and um, are there any preferred stakeholders that are more effective at delivering communication? So, um, similar to what Nicole has just said, there, there's basically there's two people that people in the company will listen to. There's two groups of people. One group is the executive at the very top. So, if it's a message about the business, these are the people that everyone will listen to. And if it's about me and how it impacts my job on a day-to-day -day basis, that should be communicated to from their from their managers, so from their direct supervisors. So these are the two groups of people that, that need to provide the communications. And based on your own experience, what's the big, biggest difficulty in communicating to, to these two types of people? So I, I think from experience, we don't communicate enough with people. Um, there's there's statistics to show that you need to tell someone a message seven times before they actually understand and hear the message. So that's very important. And it's important not to be frightened of how people will react, to be honest and open with them um, and, and provide them with the messages as, as quickly as possible. And if you don't know the answer, don't make it up. So I think these the groups of people get annoyed when they think you're making something up or when they think you're withholding information from them. Also, people will start to make up stories themselves. If you don't tell them, they'll make up for themselves what they think's happening and that's how rumours spread and you have to nip rumours in the bud as quickly as possible because then they become fact. And in terms of the format, would you say that return communication is better than verbal communication? Because that way you have a record so people can't make up stuff. So the, the most effective form of communication is face-to-face. -face. It's the preferred form of communication and it's the one that works best. 
I understand what you're saying about about written communications because then you have a record but if you think about it, it's kind of natural human behavior to want to be told something you, you never like if, if your your parents or or your relatives were talking to you they wouldn't send you an email and say you're starting school next week <laughs> they'd come and speak to you face to face because it, it's a personal message and and it shows that you respect the person that you're speaking to so face to face is always the best form of communication you can follow it up with written communication but face to face is definitely the best thing to do yeah so just another question regarding the tools used for stakeholder management what are some of the kind of day-to-day practices or actual um, acts of communication beyond just face-to-face like is it email is it um, like I think I've heard Kale talk before about newsletters before. Can you give us a couple examples from your past projects or? Yeah, so I find email doesn't work anymore. I think people get so many emails that they've they've stopped reading them and they things just pass them by. So one thing on the project that I'm working on at the moment, we've set up uh, like a website in the internal intranet system, and. One of the reasons for doing that is it reflects it reflects reality, so it reflects what you do in your everyday life. If you want to find information, the first thing you'll do is you'll go onto the internet. So we've set that up and we're going to populate it with uh, background information on the project, FAQs, and make it look a bit more interesting and exciting so that people can go in there and pull information whenever they want. And that means that they're all getting the same information um, and we don't have to kind of send out millions of emails. So that's one of the things we're doing. And the thing you were mentioning before about newsletters, so we're going to also send out newsletters to people, but we'll put that onto the website so that people can, again, pull from there and don't have to look through their emails to find out where they last saw it. And to back all of that up, we're also doing um, face-to-face workshops, updates with people. So for those people who are impacted most, we're going to do that on a quarterly basis. And for those people who are not impacted quite so much, we're going to do it on a half yearly basis. And that, we're going to get the sponsor to come along and do that. So that shows people that they're important enough to receive communications from someone high in the company. And it's also, as I said before, these are the people that the, the staff listen to. So it's, it's really having lots of different types of communications. Yeah, the, the website actually kind of seems akin to that fact book that you told us about mm. last episode. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of an innovative approach to yeah. the putting it on the like their internal website, right? Yeah, internal yeah. website rather than like yeah. a PowerPoint deck like yeah. you said the fact book was. Very interesting, very interesting. And, and just linking back to um, stakeholder communication, so often when you have initial meetings with stakeholders on a project of um, what they want out of the project or from the change manager, you ask them the question, how do you want to be communicated to and how does your group want to be communicated to? So again, it's not up for the change manager to necessarily decide all of these things, but we'll give suggestions of how we can use different communication to be effective. Um, But it's really important to get the feedback from the senior leadership team of the different groups of if they have weekly meetings with their teams that they want you to get on or if they want a fortnightly update versus a weekly update to, to really get a gauge of, on what they're looking for from you and and, um, and the amount of communication they're getting. 
Um, one thing I have noticed is that uh, with Asian employees, they prefer a lot more informal ways of communication. So instead of using emails, they prefer to WhatsApp you or even send messages on WeChat. Or sometimes they even exchange important documents on those private channels. So I'm not sure if you have had similar experience with Asian employees. And do you think an informal way of communication is more effective with Asian employees? I haven't actually come across that with Asians specifically. Um, WhatsApp is commonly used, yes, but not necessarily to swap important documents and things like that. We've we've used it more just to kind of check in on, on meetings and things that we need to attend. Um, but I've noticed that they don't respond to emails. So again, what Kale said, e emails are very ineffective. Um, and it's much more effective if you do get their senior leadership team involved. So if you CC them on an email, you'll get a response. Um, or just yeah. really picking up the phone and giving them a call. Um, they often, I've noticed, people don't like to commit to things on email either. So they're more open when you do speak to them on a call where things aren't necessarily recorded or written down. Um, but it is always, always important to send a follow-up email with just the notes and the actions from those conversations um, so yeah they like formal and I think you just have to kind of get them on the fly when you can because everybody is so busy these days um, and just yeah picking up the phone is the best best way to do that yeah great to hear a couple of uh, you know real-world examples of how these stakeholder communications techniques usually shake out in a big organization but Nicole why don't you give us a summary of some of the key takeaways from this past episode before we wrap up. Um, so one thing just to note, to link communication back to ADCAR and how that fits into the ADCAR model. Um, so certain certain um, things with the ADCAR will only be on, on either the awareness or the desire or the knowledge um, in different areas and they won't continue throughout the entire process of ADCAR. Um, but communication is something that is constant throughout. So you develop your communication at the beginning when you're building awareness, and that's when you need a lot of communication to ramp up. Um, and then that communication plan will follow out throughout the process. And the last step in ADCAR reinforcement is really where it's important to ensure that communication um, persists and you're still checking in with people and getting their feedback on the changes to make sure that it's embedded and it continues. Um, so communication is the one thing that is a continuous um, throughout that process. So that's all the time we have now. We are going to have one more episode in this change management series where we wrap up all the key takeaways and talk about some tactics to actually implement all of these strategies into your, uh, your project flow in any big or small organization. So please keep up with all content Typhoon in your spare time. Follow us on Twitter, at Typhoon Buzz. Follow us on Facebook. Give us a like on LinkedIn, uh, just Typhoon Consulting Limited. Go to our SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash Typhoon Talks, and check us out on iTunes, uh, itunes.com slash Typhoon Talks. And then also go to our website, typhoonconsulting.com for our other content research reports and greater library of, of uh, content. Thanks. See ya.